0: I'm Paul Comfort, and on this edition of Transit Unplugged, I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with Catherine Kellerman, the CEO of the Port Authority of Allegheny County. That's the transit system for Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. On this episode, she tells us extensively about her background in transit and how she moved from the planning field to the CEO's office. We also talk about her tactical plan for 2019, which is a five-part plan, which keeps her team's shoulder to the boulder, as she says. And then we talk about numerous new innovations she's helping to lead, including a connected vehicle pilot program working with Carnegie Mellon University. All that on this edition of Transit Unplugged.
1: What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort.
0: I'm Paul Comfort, your host of Transit Unplugged. Happy to be in Pittsburgh today for the CTAA Expo. And While I was here, I wanted to come see the CEO of the Pittsburgh Transit System, the Port Authority of Allegheny County. So I'm with Catherine Kellerman. Thanks for uh, being with us on the show today.
1: Good morning, Paul. We're so happy to have you. Catherine's got a long pedigree
0: in transit and uh, I was just down in Tampa recently and talking to some of your old friends there where you work for the uh, APTA Paratransit and Bus Conference. So Catherine, how long have you been here in Pittsburgh and tell us kind of a little about your story.
1: I have been in Pittsburgh almost five months, and it's one of those things where it's, some days it feels like three weeks, and some days it feels uh, much longer. And personally and professionally, this has been a great, great, great move. I So super excited about that. Uh, I started Transit. I've been telling our friends at CTAA about this. I took my first transit job right after graduate school in San Angelo, Texas. So I was the transit planner and the MPO's transportation planner. And it was a little bit of everything. So your tip and your UPWP and all that long range stuff. We had five bus routes, 10 buses, 16 employees. And it was a really great exposure to all the cool stuff that transit and transportation do. And I could be smart with numbers and data, and I could get out in communities and talk to folks. Really enjoyed it. So I was there for about three and a half years before I moved to Dallas to DART as a service planner. So DART now has the largest light rail network in the country. And at the time I went there, I had about 200 square miles with 35 routes, uh, a really suburban area. And a lot of sprawl, so a good opportunity to see how transit was going to work there. We had um, a dart on call, so some of the first fixed route complement dial ride services. We did a bunch of openings on our red and blue lines. We did new park-and-ride designs and a lot of work in accessibility. So, for instance... Uh, Many of our paratransit customers were going to totally accessible destinations, hospitals, colleges, shopping malls. They were just trying to get out of their neighborhoods. So could we get them to a rail station and give them a lot more freedom than just booking them pair everywhere? So a lot of good opportunities to work on stuff and loved that. And uh, after seven years in Dallas, went to Baltimore. You might be a little familiar, of course, with Baltimore. I've heard of that. A bit, a bit, right? So Kathy Waters was in charge of commuter rail in DART, and when she moved to Maryland, I said, hey, I'm ready for my next step, and what do you know? She gave me a call, and so I came into the MTA as the uh, director of um, service development, which is planning, scheduling, and data collection, Mm -hmm. and to go from you know, a big Western agency to an old legacy agency that was very established and had a lot going on. It was a State Department as opposed to a standalone agency. Crazy for me at the time, but a really great experience.
0: Which building was your office in?
1: So I was down in... West Street Garage? yeah, Yeah, yep in the do we still call it Pig Town or is it Washington Junction now or something
0: (laughs) we could say that yeah 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. it was um, Tom Hewitt's
0: got your old job now do you know Tom I do not I knew knew Jessica
1: It was down in Miami we talked quite a bit so for folks who are not familiar with the location off Bush it is an old trolley barn a turn of the 20th century trolley barn so the building's actually on an angle because the trolleys would come in and you'd cut power and do all the work and then push them down the hill to the next station and push them to the next station so when you open the front doors of this building, off to your left it goes up a hill, and off to your right it goes down. And our running joke was we would do chair wars during the holidays, but everybody was gone, right? So it's just, <laughs> it was pretty cool. It was it was an, a neat facility to be at. How long were you there? Ago. About two years, about a year and a half, okay. two years. And then what? Phone call rang in uh, from Tampa, uh, and the CEO down there said, I need someone who can do planning and scheduling, and I, I don't know a lot of folks, so come on down. And I went for an interview. And at the time it was a directory job. I was already director at a really, really big property. So I said, you know, it's really interesting, but not right now. And six months later, the phone rang again and said, okay, well, if it's, you know, the job above that is now open. So what about service design plus all the outreach? So you can be out talking to folks and doing marketing and see how you're designing the service and then design back to that. So that sounded great. So moved down there, year and a half later, that CEO left. And the person who took his job said I uh, was his top candidate for chief operating officer, right? Chief, not cheap. And uh, it's very Nixon could go to China. So um, I took the job and my first week. I was out there at seven at night in the garage talking to folks and really enjoyed getting to be more hands on with how service was, you know, rubber meeting the road. Still had the service development component, but it was um, a great opportunity to get out like into the nuts and bolts. And that CEO, uh, Philip Hale, who had been in maintenance at DART, he wanted to do a couple of years and he wanted to leave. So he gave me a lot of opportunities for going to the state capitol and good career development and making relationships. So when I came back from maternity leave with uh, my youngest child, he said, I'm retiring. And -hmm. I said, no. And he said, yes. And I said, no. And he gave me that face. And three months later, he was gone and I was interim and then that was early 20s, uh, 2014 okay. and then permanent after that. So CEO for four years in Tampa. And so the Tampa spend is about $55 per capita for transit. Okay, um, By way of comparison, that's about Boise and Sheboygan um, <laughs> and Macon. Jacksonville's about $125. Uh, Dallas um, is over $200, as is Port Authority. So we, we had to get really, really resourceful. We had a lot of need and we didn't have a lot of funding. So Our team had already moved toward trying to get creative, and we kept that going when I was in charge. So we had a fantastic finance group that really moved into sustainability and tracking down new revenue options. Megabus came in uh, and was serving a park and ride on their way, for instance. We were able to get good pilot programs with the state DOT. Uh, So we were in the mix of how ride hailing would be delivered. If you did an ADA component and you took cash, we were really into um, where Autonomous was going when it was coming out because we had a dedicated corridor where we could test it. Uh, and like a lot of places, you know, transit has changed 2014, 2015 between some component of ride hailing, gas being inexpensive, our folks moving around. So we were looking at, we had been we'd always felt overextended. So it was time to have these honest conversations with our patrons of what is it you want transit to do? And let's set up what we think is great, great service, and where we can do that, we will, and otherwise we're not going to dilute this, right? So um, in 2017, HART went through a program, Mission Max, which was a testament to all the great work that our staff did, our planners, our community outreach group, and uh, the team took about 16% deadhead off the street. Wow. So ridership was contracting, but they caught up with a service and a budget. They could line up to the ridership was still there. And as I hear from the folks who do customer satisfaction, overall folks are really happy. So yes, you had the people who had one bus every two hours, and they're not happy, but in exchange, you have 1,000 people who now get a bus every 15 minutes. So it was a big process to go through, Um, and a hurricane too. So we went through Hurricane Irma, and that was a really interesting experience, and that was It was great for me to see that because the team didn't need me. I could go out and be on TV and the team had everything covered, which was wonderful for me to see because at that point, I'd heard from a recruiter for Pittsburgh. It was a good intersection that the team had really, they had pulled it together, they had grown and they were they were ready for their next challenge and so was I. So here we are in Pittsburgh and now it's been just about five months.
0: Five months, very good. Wow. A background coming out of the planning, which is, you know, my successor, Kevin Quinn, who I think mm-hmm. you know, did the same thing, came up with yep. the planning there. Yep. I think it's a great background for transit. So tell us about what you're doing now in Pittsburgh. First, why don't you tell us a little about the scope of what you oversee here and great. then any new big projects you've got going on.
1: Great. Thank you. So we are a legacy agency. So we've had uh, transportation going on since the 1860s 1870s wow. if you step out and see our incline it is uh, listed on the NTD as having a, a useful life of 143 years now <laughs> it's been running since 1870 so pretty cool that we've had that commuter pattern covered and
0: that's kind of like gondolas going up a right. hill on a, on a it uh, is an
1: inclined plane yes. right so it goes at almost a 45 degree angle and that opened when the the flatter area right here on this Pittsburgh peninsula was all developed and 1860s, if you you needed a house and you weren't gonna, you, you couldn't be in Pittsburgh. You went up the hill, and okay. so this was your this was your actual commute to get you back and forth to work. So very cool. And you see that you see Chicago, for instance, after the Chicago fire, you couldn't build uh, wooden housing in the city. For instance, you had to go further out. So there come streetcars. So we have been in operation in some way, shape, or form for geez, 150 years. So we were one of the first places in the country to do like city rail, for instance. And our history is in the 1960s and 70s, all the remaining urban transportation providers come together under the Port Authority of Allegheny County. So we have four bus garages. We have a full fleet of 720 vehicles, um, just over 600 for our peak pull. Uh, and it's you know scattered around the four facilities. We have a rail facility with 83 rail cars. And that is um, our light rail line. We call it the T. We also have a 47-member police force. We have a separate heavy maintenance facility in the Manchester location, which is a transit person, I just think is fast. We have a diesel particulate clean, filter cleaner. We have tin cutters. It's very, very cool it and excellent yeah. work, yeah. We have a, a separate facilities location at our South Hills Junction. It's four or five buildings. Uh, and then we have a another location that downtown for maintenance. We have in our light rail fleet, we have uh, three busways. So we have some of the oldest bus infrastructure dating back to 1983. We do a about 190,000 passenger trips daily on bus and about 25,000 on light rail. And incline really fluctuates between time of year, right? So during tourist season, it's several thousand. And in the winter, it's it's a lower number. So we're netting at about 220-odd thousand a day, which puts us at number 25 or 26 for ridership in the country. So a big legacy system, about 2,600, 2,800 employees, we still have three thousand active retirees that are in the area, so we are, you know, an engine for many things. Mm-hmm. We are a major employer. There are, for instance, forty-four thousand parking places in downtown Pittsburgh and one hundred and ten thousand jobs. And that then you factor in that the math doesn't yeah, work does yeah. all
0: transit,
1: right? And you factor in the parking demand for the cultural district or city hall or right. county center, sure. and uh, probably the demand for parking outstrips the capacity by maybe a three-to-one factor. So clearly, transit makes our city happen. And we serve major universities. We serve major medical facilities. um, We have some really cool tech companies, Uber, Amazon, Google, that are here really located close to transit. Yes. So uh, we definitely are an engine for this county.
0: How do you handle paratransit?
1: So great question. Our paratransit, we do a brokerage, our access service. So we have six providers. A separate vendor is brokering the trips out on what makes the most sense. So we operate regular paratransit, but that may be supplemented by a Medicaid trip or alternate funding. So the end result is we have sort of this patchwork of providers, um, but excellent on-time performance, customer satisfaction, and our average cost per to- trip is $26. Holy cow. I know. So what a great system there and very responsive for folks. And wow. That's getting ready great, to- Catherine. Yeah, well, yeah. And getting ready to add a, real, a, a real-time component for letting you know exactly where your vehicle is, when it's going to get there. Yeah. So a, a really good use of that system. I'm, I'm really excited about it.
0: When you were describing the scope of your service, one number stuck out to me and that's the size of your police force, which seems a little small to me. And I noticed that you just put out a budget proposal that mm-hmm. asked for an increase in some of those. Why don't you tell us about your your new big plan?
1: Great, thank you. So first we have, um, I Am biased. we have an excellent police force. Uh, but you're right. At the size we are and how we deploy, we spend our main focus is uh, making sure folks feel safe and that we're securing the assets that we have. Sure, it's a big system for us to take care of. And uh, a little bragging point: our police chief Matt Porter recently directed the uh, Special Olympics torch run across the state of Pennsylvania, so three days, 150 miles, and our team carried the torch into downtown Pittsburgh uh, Tuesday after Memorial Day. It came in about 12.35, so we were there to welcome them for that. So really just a, not just a great group of folks here, but a great asset to our community. Turning to where we're looking for next year, we are introducing, uh, we have a proposed budget that our board will vote on in about two and a half weeks. Okay. And that uh, is toggled this year to a tactical plan. So as you're familiar with many legacy agencies, you have so much that you're keeping running that it, it's easy to lose sight of where you need to get going in the next couple of years. You know, you're it's, it's shoulder to the boulder every day. Um, <laughs> That's good. I've never heard it, that before. <laughs> yeah, so shoulder to the boulder, definitely. So a focus for us for next year is implementing a tactical plan tied to a budget. So instead of just, here's the budget that's going to do X, we're saying, here's what we're committing to do for our community. And the budget is how we pay for it. So just a little reorientation to a little bit more strategic thought. Yeah. And once we have this tactical plan pulled together and we have that experience, then for 2020, we can do a full strategic plan that's longer term. Right. So this is a year of getting our our hands around a lot of things. We have five major areas for this tactical plan. Um, The first is delivering an excellent customer experience. So the question is, what does that actually mean, Right. So we have just kicked off this week a voice of the customer survey, so we're dealing with very good, fresh data on what our patrons are telling us is valuable to them. How safe do they feel? How on time do they think we are? What is their number one concern? Is it fares? Is it reliability? So based on that, we can start saying our patrons value X, and here's how how we deliver it. Now, as transit professionals, we know the key is reliable, convenient, easy-to-use service, So we don't need to wait for that feedback to kick off initiatives to focus on on on-time performance and maintenance. So we have initiatives focusing for that in the upcoming year. We have um, a sort of a retooling of our planning and engineering group to more of a development group. So Mm -hmm. we can do our 20-year plan that turns into components for three- to five-year plans. So we can have these things we're actually doing that we can come into a neighborhood and say, where do we want to be in the future and how do we get there with service now? Uh, which is critical toward our BRT project. So we are in the uh, working on our FTA process for our first BRT corridor. Okay. Uh, we were one of two projects that had a high rating last year, so we're very happy with this project. It uh, knits together our highest performing corridors through universities, through the Eds and Meds Corridor, Paul, you can go out at three in the afternoon and see 200 people at an intersection waiting to catch various buses, which is a fantastic problem to have, but we we want these folks to be able to get on a bus that's running reliably, that's evenly spaced, that has all the conveniences of a bus lane and off-board fare collection and more infrastructure so those 200 people have a safe place to wait. And that's our BRT project. So it's the, uh, the Oakland area, the Eco Innovation Corridor. And we're looking at a 2021 Implementation for that. So a lot of stuff we're doing in the next three years is reinforcing our readiness for that. So an overall focus on on-time performance and street management helps us get ready for BRT. So this is a in our customer experience, and also you know continuing to focus on access for anyone is access for everyone. So. Does all-door boarding help out with different vehicle configurations? What do we do? The second component is uh, employee engagement. We're only as good as our line employee. And as you're well aware, you know, we've got over a 1,000 operators who are out there 10 hours a day. Do they have the resources they need? Do our maintenance folks have the resources? Is everyone talking to each other? So we'll be doing uh, an employee engagement survey a desk audit of our non-bargaining positions to make sure we're properly slotted, expanding our wellness program, and then kicking off some other, you know, labor relations and focus groups on making sure that our non-bargaining and our bargaining are working really well together and that we're all with a common understanding of what we need to get for our, our line workers so we can get this excellent service out the door.
0: That's um, great. So you're not only focusing on service improvements but also improving the culture of the agency at the same time.
1: Right. And I have to say, having been at, you know, four, four transit agencies and you know and traveling the country and being on the APTA board, so many of our folks are from here that they love their city, they love our city, And we've really resonated with this message of we are excellent and we can deliver excellence. So let's focus on that and do that. So within two months of starting, for instance, uh, for me, we had a bus in the St. Patrick's Day parade. And something like 60 employees came out to walk with the bus from all sorts of work groups. It was a wonderful activity. Um, Our operator proposed to his girlfriend with the bus. So it was a really nice human interest story. But it was, you know, all these folks came in on their time off. It was 21 degrees, which is a (laughs) non-native, is chilly, and folks had such a great time just seeing how our community valued us. It was fantastic and has led to other employee programs. So that's super exciting. Um, Third initiative for next year, uh, of course, safety is at the forefront of everything we do. So it's time for us to pull all our safety plans together and codify it in a way that it really is front of mind for everyone. So seeing that that safety message when you walk in, making sure that you have your vest with you uh, and making sure that our customers know what we're doing for their safety and that they have a sense that they feel safe on the service. Uh, and also folding back in, you know, million mile recognition, safety recognition. Fourth big component for next year is Another thing where we're doing it, but just codifying, and that would be a financial plan. So clearly we are solvent. We do a balanced budget every year. We have excellent cash reserves. We follow a lot of government finance officer association guidelines. So it's really just turning those guidelines into actual policies so we can show our stakeholders and tax holders what we're doing to protect their investment, carving out probably a strategic planning group, a project management group. We do a lot of performance and productivity analysis, but how do we you know, trying to just make it more formal mm-hmm. uh, and ensuring that what we're measuring is useful for this product that we're delivering for our county. And then the final component of what we're looking at next year is...
0: So it's a five-part plan. Yep,
1: five-part okay. plan. All right. uh, and I'm reading my whiteboard behind you. So ah, there you go, right? You're very good. There you we go. Point, I know, I know. Uh, is a a comprehensive communication plan. So every year we do a marketing plan based on what we think we can get done financially. It's time for us to step back and do a strategic communications and marketing plan. Mm -hmm. Folks have a right to know what we're doing with their investment and to be able to interface with us, whether they are patrons, whether they are small businesses that would like to do business with us that we can help grow our community, whether they are folks who would like to come and work for us, So I would say even from before I started, our staff has been trying to corral me on Twitter, but we have so so much information that folks want to hear, and how do we get that out to them? How do we, you know, what campaigns are valuable? Do people want to know how to ride? Do people want to know um, where to stand at a bus stop. Where are these places that we can go from a communications perspective? And with this, these changing media markets, how are we going to be out in front of that? You know, and, and marketing and outreach are always really difficult to quantify, but it's our job to take care of our communities. We Absolutely. run the service, yeah. but our community owns it. So how do we foster that and set, set measures? So again, from a taxpayer accountability standpoint, we yeah. can say, here's why we're doing it.
0: Adam and I were just talking about that. So you mentioned this is your tactical plan where you're going to be shoulder to the boulder, which yep. I love that. I'm going to start using that if you don't mind. <laughs> is You're going to do a $441 million budget for FY 2019. We sure are. How are you funded? Give us a brief kind of how the money comes in.
1: So we are about a 25% fare box recovery. So okay. uh, just over $100 million will come back from fares. A little bit over half of our money come from various state funding sources. Okay. So we have capital and operating assistance from the state. And then I want to say about another 17% on the federal side. We do have local revenues as well that come in as a match to the state funding. Okay. A collaboration of those. And so similar to a lot of legacy agencies, not too unique. Yes. Um, And uh, many of the agencies in Philadelphia not Philadelphia is funded similar to us, but so are a lot of the other agencies here in Pennsylvania.
0: That's good. You've talked about kind of the big projects you've got coming this year. One of the uh, things that's been coming out of Pittsburgh is there's a private company that's doing autonomous vehicles around the city. Do you want to talk about that at all and what's coming for your city in this region?
1: So... The initiatives that the city has taken on with the various companies doing the automated kind of transportation, the city's got this really progressive, very fantastic Department of Mobility and Infrastructure, and they've been a a playground in many ways for what these new technologies are. I mean, it's Pittsburgh, and if they're being developed here, it's great for these companies to be, to be able to test drive it. From a transit perspective, we have been partnering with Carnegie Mellon University up the street, okay. um, first robotics program in the country, for instance, on a connected vehicle pilot program. So, there, you know, there's all this conversation about what about self-driving cars? Will not right. that be cool? There are a lot of safety benefits that come up from that technology that we can use today. In your own vehicle, if you've used parking assist if you've had blind spot monitoring, there's a lot of ways that that technology makes it safer to operate. And the connected vehicle program is a place where information from our bus plugs into an overall comms network. So the pilot program right now with one bus shows something like a 30% reduction in idling time, which is great for air quality as well as uh, traffic flow, improved flow through intersections.
0: So you've got a bus running right now autonomous?
1: Uh, no, not autonomous. Oh, and okay. in a connected pilot program. Oh, just connected. Okay. Right, and we're adding 55 more units into that. So as a connected network can roll all the way through Pittsburgh, and especially downtown in our corridor, we can get these benefits that, you know, when people say, I don't want to drive… Are we saying we don't want to drive or people are saying, I want safety, I want this, I want better technology? And right. we can do that and, and look forward to Port Authority being sort of at that leading edge of how to use smarter technology uh, for our buses so we can help them you know, be safer and, and just make better use of the resources that we have going through there. I think we've got some cool opportunities there. And technology-wise, I know it doesn't sound that exciting, but from a customer perspective, You know, we've got an opportunity to really do some cool multimodal trip planning tools. So think about BusGazer and Transit and MoveIt and all these other tools out there are great telling you how to use your bus. But what's our next iteration? The iteration of catch your bus here and the fare is paid, so on and so forth, or walk two blocks to a bike share where you can use your connect card. And then you can maybe catch that bike to a different bus stop to a direct trip. And we've been talking to some of our friends at Pitt, another fantastic local university. Uh, Is there an alma mater slogan that I can (laughs) roll into this conversation? I don't know them. But we're really happy with Pitt. And they're talking about, hey, what can you do to make this information more useful? So, you know, technology isn't just um, turning a vehicle into something from a Steven Spielberg movie, right? Technology, all of this should be focused on ease of use, whether it's ease of use for the patron or the operator. Because I'm going to tell you. At 3 this afternoon, not just at full full bus stop, you can see ticks that have 120 people. Yep. And our fantastic operators are crisis intervention and marriage counseling and wayfinding. <laughs> and the more tools we can give them to be excellent at that customer service job, it's just a win-win for everybody. Yeah. So the connected vehicles are very cool.
0: It sounds like you're almost like talking a little bit about mobility as a service, too. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. You're yeah, definitely to move
0: that direction where you can see it all on your phone, pay for it there, right. use different modes. I'm
1: gonna, I, yeah, I'm gonna tell you, it's a, it's a different universe. So, in in Tampa, smaller smaller fleet, and trying to figure out how can you accommodate these onesie twosie trips, right? Which is a lot of first mile, last mile, yeah. And in a legacy city like this it's not one or two people. It's 70 or 80 people. So it's, um, you're not talking about a trip that you could meet with a van. You're talking about what can you do with your 40 and 60 foot buses. So for me as a transit person, it's a really fascinating sort of change in this conversation of, yeah, these cool toys are coming down and these great technologies are coming. But if our core business is moving people around conveniently and easily, you know, the big bus is as much a component of that as the, the lift type of technology. And here we're really well positioned to be a big pilot program and how the big bus becomes that very cool technology. And uh, I cannot say enough good things about how excited I am for that.
0: Very good. I guess to, to wrap up, your vision of the, what's happening in the industry as a whole and how it's coming here to Pittsburgh is...
1: Ask me again in six months. There you go. (laughs) Six months after that. So I I see a lot of agencies. So we have gone through being interested in ride hailing. A lot of us are rebooting networks. Yes. In Pittsburgh, because our our travel patterns are older, you know, we have bus stops that were trolley stations in 1895. Restructuring a network would be different here than other places. A lot of places have done that. But what is next? And so what is next? Next is a long-term vision where... Our airport, for instance, is reserving right-of-way for future technology getting out there. And what is the right blend of dedicated in-the-ground technology versus more BRT technology versus making other techniques useful? I think we're definitely seeing, uh, you know, some cities have seen big decreases. Some cities have seen very static ridership. And here in the Pittsburgh market, we've not seen that big shift away from bus use. So whatever makes us unique and great There's a lot going on here that how do we continue to meet that with some sort of capacity constraint when we have people moving here and voluntarily giving up cars, when we have excellent schools so folks can jump on a local bus in some part of the county and get there? How do we foster that? So I think where we're going to be going as an industry is taking what have been our cool toys in the past few years and how do we integrate them back and really own that transit is, regardless of previous perceptions of some people use it, blah, blah, that We're really building a network that can support our economic development, support our different land use decisions, and can get anyone where they want to go, whether we're the provider or we're the facilitator. Um, And I don't know exactly where that looks like, so uh, stay tuned. But it sounds like you've got a great
0: plan to get there.
1: Well, a great team makes it a lot easier, doesn't it, now? That's great, And and we've got some really good people we're working with here.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to see all the good things you're going to do here in Pittsburgh, and I think probably play a big role in where our industry as a whole is going. Thank you so much for being with us today, Thank Catherine. you for the
1: chance to share all of our great stuff,
0: Paul. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. We've been with Katherine Kellerman, who is the CEO of the Port Authority of Allegheny County here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She's got great plans going forward, and we look forward to watching her grow the system to meet all the needs of the region. Thanks for being with us.
1: You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.